Welcome to the Blue Collar Barbarian Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Collar Barbarian Network, your source for all things savagery. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have another banger for you. We got a special, special episode. Somebody very close to my heart, my friend Megan. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. We'll get you to scoot a little bit closer to that mic so we can hear you just a slight better. Um, we really wanted to bring you on today because mindset. And I'm going to jump right in here and I'm going to tell the audience and just give them a little background that you're one of those people that I've known through probably some of the hardest times of my life personally in trying to find my identity, who I am, what I am, just make sense of the world post-military for me. And um, I wanted to have you on here because you were one of those people that always, like every time I encountered, always had something encouraging to say, was very... Like, you can do it. Pull your ass together. You were real. You were raw. But you were kind about it, right? And we met through a friend, a mutual friend. And uh, the the truth is, like, you've always just been one of those people that pushed me not to quit. Like, I've always been that crazy guy, always trying to turn the wheel a different way or reinvent the wheel. But you were one of those people that have always been encouraging. And you've always been grinding. And that's one thing that really stuck out. And so... What the audience needs to know is this is the same Megan that we uh, talked about with Tyler on our Barbarian Brief that did a triathlon, cold turkey, I trained six months for it or something. Is that correct? Two months. <laughs> two months? Yep. I decided two months before it, I looked up all the options around me, and there was one in Bend uh, two and a half months out, so I signed up, and it wasn't, I didn't sign up for the triathlon, I signed up for the Beast Man, Iron Man. So went big or I was going home. Wait. Urch. <laughs> Backing up. Two months? Two months. And I didn't even have a bike until four weeks before the event. Yeah. Um, Wasn't the best decision. No. Two it, months of training, but. Wow. And you did a <laughs> Beast Man, Iron Man. Can you tell us what that is? I don't even. I'm a little caught off guard. I thought you did a triathlon. I have to apologize. So triathlon is. I mean, it's not basic, but it's a lower level. So it was swimming, biking, and running. But the Beastman uh, Ironman is a half Ironman, so it's a little less than a mile swim, 60-mile bike ride, and half marathon run. Holy cow. Half marathon, 60 miles, and just under a mile swim. Yeah. In Bend. Yep, it was in Bend. And what was the? how was the swim part of that? Was it cold still? Uh, it was freezing. You had to wear a wetsuit so I had to it was an investment you had to I ended up spending a lot of money to do it but um, I was actually the most nervous about the swim I've never been I'm a good swimmer but I mean these people are going fast so I swam probably most of my training that was the biggest one I was worried about um, of just being kind of left behind and not finishing the swim um, but once I got in the water I actually kicked butt and uh, was second out of the water so the swim was actually really, really good. Wow. My time was the best. The day of the race was my best time swim for the two months training. Yeah. So. Wow. So yeah. you came ready to play. Yep. The swim went really well. I was impressed with my swim time. Good. You should be. But let's back up a little bit here because I want to get into the mindset thing, right? So we're no stranger to adversity. Both of us have been through our fair share of hard and we don't need to tell people what that is, but we, we both been through hard, right? And things have come up in life that set you back a little bit, or maybe the course changes, right? Things get difficult sometimes is what I'm trying to say for our audience. Right. And in that 
sometimes that will break people. And I know for me personally in my life, one of the things that I've never done is let hitting a wall be period the end for me. It's been comma and what's next or comma, as Alex Hermosi says, and that's okay, right? Like I've really had to learn to just take it for what it is in the moment and then continue on, right? And that was, for me personally, that was kind of a hard thing. So can, can you preference, um, without getting into too much detail, can you tell us what it's like to, because you're going through a hard time prior to this. That's why you signed up for this, correct? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. The last two years have been rough. Yeah. I'm not going to get into details, but um, basically when you're going through a shitty time, to me, signing up for something that I know I can control was important so there's a lot of things going on that I can't control um and fitness and anything that's difficult um to push through something that you can't control no matter how hard it is is something that I enjoy um I'm not saying I like pain because that's a little bit different but in some honesty it is I mean you know it's going to be hard you know it's going to be brutal but you get to control that you get to control your limits and what you want to push through so I decided to go all in, and it was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So that mindset there, you rather than, again, letting it break you, you decided to make this make you, in a sense, right? To redefine you. I got to feel something important about myself again. I got to feel good about myself. Um, training was a lot by myself, so I got to do a lot of thinking. I got to see what I wanted to do next after the Ironman. Um, so it gave a lot of time for me to work on me and see what I was able to, um, accomplish. Yeah. And you did it. I hope you're freaking proud, dude. I know I'm proud. (laughs) When I read that message, um, when I read that post, when you posted that one, I was like, whoa, (laughs) way off, caught off guard. Right. But, but two on just knowing you and just the um, amount of things that you've been through in your life. I, I think I, it made me respect you more, not that I didn't, but it made yeah. me respect you more in the sense that, like, I have a deep love and a very deep-seated respect for people that don't bow down to the world, that don't let hard, you know, darkness can consume us all, and we've been there, Dark, and it's hard to climb out of a hole. It's very hard, but you get to decide. It's your decision it's at the end of the decision. day. It is your so. decision. And that's what we're here to talk about. And I'm so proud of you. So thank you again for coming on this show and for sharing this with these people. So getting into this beast, man, <laughs> we go through a really hard time. Life's uncertain. You decide, hey, this is my time to take control of the wheel and, and to drive the story. It's my story, not anybody else's. This is my story, Right. And the amount of power that must have felt empowering, like the amount of fear you must have had to in deciding what you were going to do, but to like, how empowering was that to like really grab this and just, I'm going to do this? Going into the event, I was fully prepared to take last place. Um, I just wanted to finish. I didn't think I was going to place at all. Um, Everybody I talked to thought I was absolutely crazy for doing it because I mean, I lift weights. I don't do a ton of cardio. I've done cardio in the past, but I hadn't done any cardio for a year prior. So I was two months before, and 
starting from ground zero. So um, at the end of the day, I was going to be embarrassed if I didn't finish, and I refused to not quit. I was going to finish that. I was going to come over that finish line no matter what. If I was last place, so be it. But I wanted to finish for me. Um, it took more than anything I've ever done to get through that bike ride. It was absolute hell. Um, obviously, you know, I got caught in the snowstorm, so. I want to get, I want to get to okay. that, but, but before we do, cause no, 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 that, that's <laughs> good. We read this and when I read this, just so you know, and these guys are nodding at you, everybody on the team was like, what? And so for you to come in here and then correct me on what I thought was a triathlon and tell me it was that beast man, like still technically a triathlon, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just another <laughs> level, right? <laughs> like yeah, that, that's pretty sick. And I said six months. I didn't realize it was two. Uh, so that's my bad. I apologize for the people that listened to that earlier in the episodes. Correct that. It's two months, not six. But she did it. Regardless, she did everything we discussed, and that's what. And that's what is just wild to me. And all these timelines do is just accelerate how much of a barbarian in, in theme, like you really are and how an unruly approach. So what was training? So you sign up two months before, first of all, you don't do cardio. So you, I'm assuming you, have you ran a half marathon before? I've done. So I did half marathons and I did one marathon. I don't like cardio. I just do it because I know I can finish it. So I want to like check these off that I know I can do it. Um, but I love lifting weights, so that's where most of everything comes from that I do fitness-wise. Right. Um, the most cardio I'll do is a mile run now because it just sucks. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't doing any cardio. It had been a year before I did cardio. So, I mean, I do HIIT workouts, so yeah. I, I was definitely active in that style. But I hadn't run more than a mile in a year. I definitely didn't swim because soaking in a pool is not swimming. <laughs> um, and I didn't have a bike. So, so what was it like? You just signed up and then what? I signed up and then I started running cause that was the easiest. Um, it took the most nerve to get in the pool cause I don't like being in front of other people swimming and swimming is hard. I don't know if anybody else, but <sighs> it's, it kicks your butt. It's very humbling. Um, and I mm. was panicking about that because I was timing myself once I started swimming and I was looking up the times from the previous year and I was like, there's no freaking way I'm going to even like finish this thing. So I did have a lot of doubt in myself um, when I was training. Um, a lot of people were crushing their times the year before, so I was pretty nervous going into it, but I just wanted to finish. So I didn't back out. So you got, you started running and you went and found a pool that you could swim laps and Yep. What, what were you swimming at first? What was uh, it? Well, I started with one lap because yeah. that kicked my butt. Um, so I'd start in the mornings. I'd go in at 5 a.m., do my swim. Um, I'd try to get done 800 meters no matter what. I would obviously stop for breaks. Um, and then I would do my 12, 15-hour workday and go to the gym at night and run. <laughs> so, or I'd run outside. Wow. So, so it just took relentless effort. Yeah, because I work a lot of hours, too, so it was gym in the or actually, I'd start working, then I'd go to the gym, work again, and then finish with a run. <laughs> Insane. So the bike. So you got to the point where you were running and swimming, and, oh, we got a month to go, and I have a 60-mile bike ride to also do. Yes, and the bike was difficult, so I was looking for a bike. Um, 
my ex-husband helped me find one that was a good deal. It was like a, probably worth $15,000, but it was too big for me. Right. So I took it in to trade it in. I got a bike that fit me. Wasn't as nice. This one had like electric gears and all the bells and whistles, but this bike that I got was still really nice. However, I didn't get it until a month before the race. And biking is another one that I, I mean, I've biked around just to do whatever, but it's, it's very humbling when you lift weights and you do things. So running was easier out of all three for me. Um, However, I knew it was going to be the hardest because it was going to be the last event that I had to do. So after you swim and bike, running is pretty difficult to do. Um, your legs are pretty toast at that point. But I didn't train as hard for the running. Once I hit, you know, the half marathon, I just let it go and focused on biking. Huh. And so with so the hardest of the three for you was biking? Or was swimming pretty hard? Too? Swimming was the hardest. Swimming. Um, mentally, I knew I could get through the bike ride. It was going to be hard. It was going to be painful, but I could get through it. Yeah. I was nervous to do the swim. Okay. But it was the shortest distance, so I knew I could get through it. I just, when I see people going ahead of me, I'm like, I don't do well with it. If <laughs> I want to get up there and beat them, i slightly competitive. So that doesn't help when you are doing this for you, but you also have that competitive <laughs> mindset. So you have to really decipher which one you're going to go for. Yeah. And you did. You said I'm taking all of them. Well, I got in the water too. And all the girls that were next to me, they were like, Oh, when did you guys get out of swim team? And I'm like, I've never done swim team. So all the girls I was going against grew up swim team and they went to college for swimming. I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm dead in the water here. And I kept up with them. So I was happy with it. Yeah. Kept up with them. Yeah, we'll get into the keeping up with that. <laughs> you dominated, and we'll we'll get there. So we go through. I want to recap because this is really important to me. All right, just because I understand your story and I understand what it's like for me. Uh, I've I've shared a little bit before about dealing with some PTSD things and some of the demons that come with that and a past life. You know that you know more th about than most people. But with that, I think that there's an insurmountable amount of grit and tenacity a person has to have to be able to look in the mirror and address what you don't like or what you're not what you're uncertain of right and so when we're talking about this training in particular like I love that you're raw and real about that like there was absolutely uncertainty in you oh yeah you weren't it wasn't something that you were like hey I know I can do this it was something that you're like I'm going to do this right that's what I'm hearing I knew I was going to finish one way or the other. Yeah. However, I mean, it could have been eight hours after everybody else was done. Yeah. You didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. but And it was going to kill me because I don't like being last, but I wasn't doing it for that reason this right. time. So there are other things that I do fitness-wise that I know I can be on the top. I did not expect to be on the top for this. So what was it like to like put yourself in a position where you – because you are a very – competitive in a good way like very strong-willed person you're super successful and we don't really talk about that but you you've as long as I've known you you've worked insane hours multiple jobs um you in a white collar kind of way are a blue collar barbarian right in the sense that you're an entrepreneur you run your own company with your father you work for somebody else you constantly are involved in community and other people you 
literally one of the most selfless people I know as far as trying to be there for those around you. So it was really cool to see you do something just for you for once. I got to say that was really cool to say or to see, excuse me. But what is it like, what does it take to get to that mental, like that note, that fortitude that you would have had to do this? Because at some point you're like, I got four weeks to go and I don't have a bike. Like, what am I doing, right? I, even before the race, I did think about backing out because I, once I looked up the times, that was my, I should not have done that. I looked up times from previous races of how they finished and I got scared. I, I looked up if they'd give me my money back. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I did. Um, and then I was at the bottom line, the bottom line was I just needed to do this for me. There had been so much going wrong in my life. I just needed something for me that I could control. And again, I was going to finish. It was just most likely going to be last place. Um, I knew I wasn't training long time. They um, would send me training packets on how to start. And it was like, start a year and a half in advance on this. And I was like, well, that's out the window because <laughs> don't have that. <laughs> and then you start other things at a year and then you keep going down. And I'm like, I felt like I got in over my head, which I did. I mm. mean, I should not have done that. I don't recommend signing up two months in advance, but I know my personality. I know what I'm capable of. I know my mindset. So I knew I was going to be able to get through it. It wasn't the best decision for my body, but um, that's okay. You live and you learn. And I had a blast doing it. Um, it was a good experience. Yeah. So let's get to race day. So we make it through all this training, you get your bike, you get to where like, okay, I'm not backing out. I'm going to do this. You're at the start line. What was that like? Um, terrifying because I got there and they were talking about snow. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean snow? Like, in the rules, they had specific things. So you get marked on your arms, um, your legs, so you can't cover up. You have to wear, I mean, it's like this little skimpy tri-suit, shorts, and a tank top to go in the water. Um, and then you put your wetsuit on, and then you bike with this suit on. But everybody's getting their snow stu stuff out because it's snowing on the mountain. And I'm like, what do you mean it's snowing? Like, it's supposed to be hot down here today. Um, and I didn't bring any snow gear. So we were trying to, we got gloves and a hat. We were trying to get all these things last minute. Um and I asked someone where to put the stuff because I'd never done a triathlon. I didn't know how this worked. I was just kind of following where I was told to go. Um, so they said, mark your bag, put it in here, take this there, and they'll bring it over to the transition. So I was expecting gloves and a hat and a long sleeve to be there after my swim. Well, it wasn't. Um, so I got out of the swim, got ready to my bike. I didn't have time to look for it. I couldn't find my bag. There was nothing there. So I just had to get my bike shoes on, soaking wet with the little tank top and shorts that I had, and away I went. So you got out of the water second, though? Uh, I don't know what number I got out of the water. It was a blur there. Yeah. I think I was second for my group. There were yeah. so many other people because they had waves, so there was other people around, but I think I was second out for my group. I can't remember, though. So you saw these people take off, and the Megan that you knew was in there came right to life. Like, if you're swimming, I'm swimming faster, right? That's what happened? Yeah, and I knew I had to get a good time for the swim because the bike ride was going to be 60 miles of almost all uphill. So mm -hmm. it was going to be a brutal ride, and I wanted to start on that as fast as I could. So she comes screaming out of the water like Aqua Woman, right? Ready to fight, <laughs> ready to fight <laughs> some kind of underling, I'm sure. Yeah. 
get dressed, soak it wet, jump on a bike, and 60 miles, we're off. And you're not entirely sure, but you've heard that it's probably snowing up top. Yeah, they said there was some snow. Um, <laughs> not only that, I was already scared because I got, you know, the bike cleats. So I yeah. got those a week before. I'd only rode a bike in them one time. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, I did a full... Joe Biden and fell off the bike a couple <laughs> times when I put them on the first time. So, I mean, it was, they're rough. If you don't get your cleat out, you're on the ground. Um, oh, man. I don't think I've ever used them. They're not easy. It takes a little bit to get used to them, and you have to break them in. So, they, they suck. But, um, so I was already nervous about that. But I started going up the hill, and it's, they had different um, groups. So, some people were already going up. But once, I would say five minutes in, I was already hitting snow. It was, so not even three miles in, five miles in, it started snowing. Um, I didn't realize this. So on the way up the mountain, oh, like just at the beginning, you're up the beginning, soaking wet and it's snowing. I'm Yep. It's completely soaked still. It's snowing. I'm freezing. And I'm only five miles in, if that. Oh, my God. So take me to the top of the mountain. So I kept going. I was nervous. Um, as I kept going up, it's... I mean, your tires are sliding out. You're, it's it's rough. My fingers are frozen. I have no gloves. I have just my little glasses that I had on. Um, so as I started going out, I see people just stopping. They're you know they're quitting. They're going back down. Um, I was like, okay, well, I'm not. I mean, I'm cold, but <laughs> and it sucks. Um, but I refused to quit. As I got up, it was. I mean, it's like a blizzard at this point. Um, there's inches on the ground, and I'm trying to get my tires to go through. So I kept going. My lungs were killing me. I couldn't move my hands. They were, at that point, frozen to the bike. Um, my Apple Watch had froze completely off, and it fell. So the band literally just broke in half because it was so frozen and broke off. Um, so at that point, my parents couldn't track me, so I'm pretty sure they were panicking at the bottom of the hill because um, they knew this was my first time it was and I'm up on Mount Bachelor like there's nobody else and that was a little bit disappointing to me I thought there would be aid stations everywhere nobody in sight so I'm miles in at this point there's nobody around me you see one person every now and then but most people had quit um, they didn't go through you couldn't see in front of you the, wind, the snow was coming down and it was windy um, and they didn't block off traffic so if you got cars they're just zooming by you really fast um which is also nerve-wracking <laughs> i could imagine so it's at that point i thought i was literally gonna die on a mountain it was so cold i didn't even know if i could get my legs to keep going but if i stopped then my legs were gonna get worse so i didn't i couldn't pull over and take a break i couldn't do any of that because um, if you stop, your legs are just going to get any worse. I saw people going by me with these, like, shield things over their hands. So they've got shields for their face. They've got shields for their hands. They've got guards on their legs. So they're all just cruising by me with these. And their bikes are worth a lot of money. I mean, these guys are traveling the world for bike events. So they're prepared. I was not. Um, they've got long sleeves on. They've got hats and neck guards, all these things. And I was pretty jealous and they're like are you gonna make it are you sure I'm like I don't have a choice like <laughs> I'm not quitting like 
right. I'm like, who's going to get me down off the mountain at this point? I have to, I have, once I go up, I have to come back down. So I might as well go all the way up. But I got to a point where I thought it was, I was, it was dangerous. Like <laughs> I actually felt unsafe and I didn't know if my body was going to do it. I felt like I was shutting down. But you didn't quit. Nope. I refused to quit. <laughs> I absolutely refused to quit. That's insane. So you're up there, you get to the top, people are past you, they're in gear, you're on your way down now, Think well, starting to, right? Yeah. Once and I got to the top, it was, I thought I was in the clear, but going down was worse. It was worse. I didn't have brakes. My hands were frozen. I could not use my brakes. So it is, I don't know if you've ridden a bike, it's but been a while. it's terrifying going at a fast speed downhill with no brakes. And I think I made up most of my time going downhill because <laughs> <laughs> I could not stop. Um, so you could have quit if you wanted to at that point without crashing. Uh, yeah, I could have quit a long time ago. Most people didn't finish the top. But again, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about on the way down. There was no you're in it. Yeah. Once you committed. Yeah. Once you got out of it, you could quit. But what's the point? And to me, if you're starting on that mountain and you're putting yourself through that hell, why would you quit? You've already <laughs> gotten that far. Like there's no point of quitting. Um, you have to, yeah, you have to dig deep and you have to find something inside you to make you keep going. Cause it was horrible. I was coughing up blood. I was, it was bad. Holy um, cow. it was so cold, but yeah, I had no breaks. So I got down the mountain pretty dang fast. <laughs> so. so you cruise down the mountain. Is that the end of the thing or do you have the run still? I still have the run. And at that point, my arms were... I was burnt pretty bad from the snow just slicing me because um, it was at a fast speed. Once I got down, they, um, she's like, how did you survive? You're, they called you the crazy girl with no clothes on. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, that was me. Um, but I couldn't get off the bike. My hands were frozen. So they had to peel my fingers off the bike. And I couldn't find, my parents were somewhere else, but they were trying to look for me. So this guy helped me. He had to dial on my cell phone to get their attention because I couldn't use my fingers, couldn't get off the bike. So he put his jacket around me, and then my parents saw me, but I couldn't get off the bike. <laughs> I was so cold. Um, so my parents took off. They took multiple layers off themselves and put it around me, huddled. EMTs were like, you, you can't run. And I'm like, I don't care what you say. I have to finish this event. Um I knew, I felt at that point I was already last, but I was like, I have to just go on. So I took about 20 minutes break and they got me warmed up and I started the run. Good God. So you're looking at death. The EMTs are like, you're done. And you're like, no. I'm like, I paid the money. I did all this. I'm, I'm finishing. Going, yeah. I said, I'm doing this. I'm yeah. doing it. And this is the run is the part I was least worried about, right? Yeah, except my feet were so swollen from the... Because coming off being frozen, my feet swelled in my shoes. So I had blisters starting at like mile three. So I knew I was going to be in a world of hurt. But, and I was going pretty slow until I reached halfway point. He's like, did you know you're the third in third place? And I was like, there's no way. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you're in third place right now. So my adrenaline kicked in again. And I was like, all right, we're going. <laughs> so you went, that just opened up a new level. It was rough. I had already, I mean, my feet were pools of blood at that point. Um but yeah, that helped. That gave me the last little bit to finish. Um, and then I saw my dad at the end, and he ran the last little bit with me. So that was pretty cool. It was on Father's Day. So what a what, an, what a special moment! Too. Yeah. 
I know how much your dad means to you. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. It was a good. So moment. what? Was, so what was that like? Let's talk about that because that like that's warming, right? That's a really cool thing. So to like you literally went, you did something that you didn't know you could do. You almost die on the side of the mountain. I'm sure the conversations you had between you and God or you and the universe, whatever you want to call it, right? I can only imagine that that was just get me home, please. And all the, all the anger, all the hurt, all the, at that moment you had to just embrace, I'm sure everything for what it was. And really there was no more running, I imagine, right? From any of whatever was going on, right? Like it was at this point, like all that mattered was what you're doing, right? Yep. And to me at that point on the mountain, all the pain that I had been through in the last couple of years was right there. And that's what I was pushing through. And so that was the moment for you to figuratively kill the dragon, right? Like yeah. this is it. Yep. And it did help. It was, it was crazy. I, I can't say I'd want to do it again, <laughs> but, um, it was definitely empowering. And I felt like I had found a little piece of myself that I was missing for a little while. That's so. more powerful. So you get to that moment, we're at the home stretch. You've been through hell, both figuratively and literally. Yeah. You've defeated your mind, which is a very powerful asset that we would both agree on. And then it's that last little bit, and here comes one of your heroes, your dad, right? Like, and what was that like running that home stretch with him? I think he was a little nervous for me to sign up for this in the beginning. But um, my mom, my aunt, and my dad were all there. And, you know, I think he, they were tracking me throughout the race. And they were like, holy shit, she's, she's doing it. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's keeping up with them. And um, seeing him at the end was, he had tears in his eyes, which then, of course, I started just, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. my body's beat to crap. I'm all emotional. So that was good. Because my dad was my, this is side note, but he was my coach for, all the years of playing softball growing up. So we had a lot of competitive years together. Um, and so it brought back a lot of memories from that. So it was a really good moment. And then you see my mom screaming, my aunt screaming, they're all, so it was, it was nice. It was a good way to finish. And then with your dad there by your side, do you realize where you're at in this? Like where your placement is? Do you know? Um, he's like, hey, did you know you could win money? And I was like, nope. I didn't know I was finishing. He's like... Well, there's two people in front of you, but there's a thousand bucks on the line. So, and at that point I was like, I don't even want the money. Like I'm walking, I was walking on the outsides of my feet at this point. I'm like, I was running so wobbly. Um, but I finished fifth. So I ended up winning money, not the thousand, but I placed overall. Podium finish. Yep. <laughs> first I thought I was going to come in last place. So I was pretty impressed. First ever beast man. Iron Beast mode or Beast Men Iron Iron. Yeah, they Man. call this one the Beastathon. Beastathon, yeah. 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 And you place fifth overall and second in your fifth female. Fifth female. I don't know who plays for the men, but yeah, fifth female. Okay. And then first for your age? Yes. First for my age. Um and then there was first for something else. I got three medals. So yeah. <laughs> just coming out blinging. What was that like? Like so you just proved to yourself I killed the dragon. All the pain, all the heartache, I did it. I proved to myself that literally in two months, I can push myself to a point of shutdown, which will, you know, you did <laughs> later find out, right? You push your point to a body to a shutdown, 
and go because you tapped into your mind to take that to the next level. And what, what I really want our audience to get out of this, Megan, is that how powerful your mind can be of an asset through any kind of adversity that life throws at you, right? But what's that like to like to take adversity, crush it? Because that's what you did. You just you you crushed whatever excuses, literally all the things that I could think of that I would tell myself to be an out or this or that. Like you just said no, no, no. You can come up with all the excuses in the world, but it's your choice. And you get to decide life is hard. It sucks at a lot of times, but if you're not willing to push your body through it, you will never know what you can accomplish. Mm. And for me, quitting has never been an option. Um, if I can control it, I'm moving forward. Mm. Um, but I think we have taught people that it's okay to quit. It's okay to back out. You know, you don't have to do this. And yes, I mean, there is a safety thing and a lot of that, and maybe I should have, but why? What's that? It's not going to teach me. It doesn't get me anywhere. Um, you get to move forward. But if you start backing out of things, that's not going to set you up for any hard times in the future. You have to, life is always going to be hard at some point or another, and you get to decide that. And you go through ebbs and flows in your life of when you have motivation, but you don't always have motivation, so your discipline has to be there. And if you aren't willing to go the extra le- um, to the next level, then to me, it's just cruising and I don't like to just cruise it's not <laughs> me neither and there's excuses and there's weak people and you know sometimes that's okay for people but I don't like that style so I'm not made for that either yeah wow. so let's end this on a, on a kind of a cool note because um that's such a powerful story like I seriously, I thought six months, the two months thing just blows my mind, but that just goes to attest to your mental I recommend fortitude. six months or more, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes to, it goes to speak to your Tesla fortitude. Yeah. So I, I prepared a barbarian brief, which we'll read in a second, but I, w- I want to ask you just a couple questions just to help, just to try to help some, some, maybe some women out there that are going, especially to the young women out there that are going through it. Um, what would you, what would you say, what advice would you give somebody that is like really going through it right now? Like, it's no secret the world is unfavorable for a lot of people. It's hard, like you said. But, like, what's a piece of advice you give somebody that needs, like, somebody needs to hear this. You know what I mean? They're really going through it. So my advice can be a little harsh. Um, I think it's important to focus on yourself and what you ultimately want. Um, it's easy to go off of and compare yourself to other people. But you need to find out what's important to you and focus on that. Um, Set little goals. Set little things that you can be successful. When you have little successes, it sets you up for bigger dreams and bigger successes. So don't always focus on what's way out in the future. Sometimes it's easier to just start little. And just remember what's important to you and nothing else matters. There's always going to be things that come up but you can control what is important to you and just focus on that. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure to whoever needs to hear that, I promise you it's going to hit home. That's our biggest thing here is just try to create an impact and to help people. So thank you. Um, And then, because we ask all of our guests, right? This is the blue collar barbarians podcast. So what is to you, right? And I don't, I don't care about the traditional sense of what blue collar means, but to you, if you were to look at a guy or a gal out there and think 
that is a barbarian, right? You know, my word is savage. So yeah. barbarian falls in line with that. But that's a savage. That's a barbarian. And that's a blue coat. What is that to you? Like, what's that look like? You know, I was thinking about this the other day because I, to me, a blue collar has always been, you know, it's the type of job you do. But to be the barbarian, you can have someone in any blue collar, white collar, whatever job that no. doesn't care or doesn't want to put in the extra effort. So at the end of the day, to me, how hard are you willing to show up? What do you do? What are your goals? Um, you can get through your job from point A to point B, or you can, you know, nine to five, or you can put in the extra time. You can do what it takes to get the job done. You do it correctly. You do it. You don't do it half-assed. You, you do it how you would want it done, and you go the extra mile. So I'm always about not taking shortcuts. Um, so for me, it's just doing it the correct way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't and that might sound silly, but So no yeah. no, it doesn't at all. And and I get what you're saying. Like the way that you operate is that would be the correct way, but to to other people that would be maybe extra, right? Like you got to go yeah. a step a notch above. And we didn't really get into your history, but that's kind of like that's just kind of how you do. There's like a standard and then there's like you could operate with like it dialed up a little bit more, right? Turn it up to yeah. 10. If your job is only nine to five, then you go home. To me, that's just if you're not caring about what because if there's extra work that needs to be done, what are you going to do to get it done? Yeah, so. especially for your future when it comes to yeah. you. And a lot of blue collar jobs, you know, that is your future. You're not just. You have to worry about that construction, that job. You want to get paid, you get to finish that job. And if you don't want to work the extra hours, well, then <laughs> it's going to be a long time. So yeah. a lot of people own their own businesses and you have to put in the time and you have to control the outcome. Yeah. And then that's that's uh, perfect that you segued to that. So as a kind of a business owner, right, like you essentially run a business with your dad, you, you, I would see you as a CEO essentially, right, kind of figure. Director of operations, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. she's being humble. She's been running this, helping her dad with this for quite a few years, and she's been killing it. It's been really cool to see from the sidelines, yeah. like watching you succeed. So what would you say, what's one thing that people could do better? Like you see the workforce, right? Looking at it from an owner standpoint, you just said you got to put in the extra work, especially like as a business owner, you don't get to take a shortcut or your business fails, period, yeah. the end, right? Like that's it. So what's something that we could do better as the workforce? You know, well, give me one thing. It all depends on the person, to me. I know. Um, Something you see, though. Pretty common. Don't cut corners. That's, yeah. that's, that's a big one to me, is not cutting corners. Do the job right. So when you see somebody doing things, you just do it right the right way the first time, right? Yeah, and people that have been working on my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard right now. <laughs> just do it right the first time. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. It's all right. But let's end this on a fun note. All right. So we got this thing. It's called the, this is the Barbarian Brief, right? And this is where I get to read to you something cool. And this, this particular one is personal to me because it was from my buddy named Luke Kennedy. And he has, a, let's just say, a special operations background and uh, spent some time in Afghanistan like I did. Um, and then um, we all know about the 13... The 13 that died two years ago for this country at Abbey Gate and all that. And he just did a memorial swim for them. Um, so he did a 13 mile swim? Swim in seven and a half hours. 
and he wow. is getting ready to swim Alcatraz for I think 9/11 or don't quote me on that but another thing but let me read this <clears throat> and this is from Luke I swam my longest or heaviest sets on Sundays this is in training before the 26th of August I just decided I would do 13 13 miles I didn't know where didn't know how didn't care on that Tuesday my buddy texted me out of the blue and said he would be there in Roanoke on the 24th on an overnight trip. By Tuesday, I already knew I couldn't swim it on the actual anniversary on the Saturday. So the 25th was it. When he's saying I couldn't swim it, he's in reference to the day of the actual, the day the 13 people sacrificed their lives, right? He said we were up around 6 in the morning. He packed up all his gear, had some croissants and some supplements, and arrived at the lake house at 8. Changed into his swimsuit and started swimming without any warm-up. <laughs> I have swam at this lake before. I'm a flight instructor at the airport on the lake, but I've never swam the course we designated that morning to be the half-mile, half-a-mile lap, excuse me. Within the first 15 minutes, my calms failed. It was apparent I would not have any music or calms with shore where my aide was watching me from within the first two miles. I stopped four to six times to adjust my buoy strap, and at the end, it snapped open. So he had a buoy strap with a does swimmer underneath or diver underneath thing for boats, like that it's pulling around when he was under the water, and it broke. Uh, four to six times to adjust my buoy strap. At the end, it snapped open. We found a bag shoulder sling, and it served as a belt holding the buoy behind me. <laughs> my goggles had a little screen showing the distance I swam, but the weather was gloomy. I used a little yellow canoe for orientation. The screen was also yellow. It became disorienting and confusing, so I had to turn off the screen. So within the first hour, I was blind and deaf, swimming with more drag than I ever had before. Some of the other parts would start cramping every mile, calf, shoulders, lats by mile five. I started struggling mentally. I was not even at half yet, and I was just beaten. Every half a mile, I would stop for 30 to 90 seconds, have some water and supplements, sometimes food, a very quick chat with my buddy, and go back. Seeing him and seeing his emotions changing as we posted about the fallen every mile made it very real. In my mind, I was mapping the walk from where I lived to that gate. I was trying to remember the very, every effing detail I was stationed at in the, in the, I can't pronounce this, but in the place. He was stationed in Kabul right near that. So I had a view of that gate. In my mind, I just went back. Man, I was swimming, but I was back in Kabul. <clears throat> at mile nine, I had a long stop and, uh, and Ben actually swam with me. That's his buddy. I had four miles to go, and my mind was completely transformed back to Kabul. The last four miles were me trying to help the fallen. In my mind, I was almost reliving an event I've never seen but witnessing it. I was taking the strokes and moving, but I was completely there. Somehow it turned into a feeling that if I finish this, they will be okay. I cannot really reason with this or explain it, but I feel like it was actually helping or I could be helping as long as I finished. From that point on, there was really no more obstacles or cramps. I was going to finish that even if it was 26 miles. In all honesty, if Ben wasn't there, I, I'm not sure that I would have swam for the 13 followers, brothers and sisters. I would not have completed it outside of doing it for them, he's saying. I maybe would have even started it, but not completed it. Hunter Lopez is a fallen Marine, and I've talked to his mom, Alicia. She told me that Hunter loves swimming at times. I felt like I was taught taking this technical long strokes and explaining it to him why and how I was doing it. I can't tell that I felt him or his presence, but I definitely talked to him and swam with him for a while. I cried a lot. Survivor's guilt kicked in. Those kids were <clears throat> who were th there for three days. I lived there for three years.
survivor's guilt is a very real thing for anybody that's been overseas. And so to live there for three years, to come back, and then to think about kids that were just there for three days and didn't, is pretty tough. So I'm with him. But he said, I will not bullshit you and say that it was an easy swim, but my mind took over and I really didn't push and I really didn't push myself too much as I had mentally and emotionally checked myself almost all the time. Luke Kennedy, my man. Tyler, give me buzzers. Bing, 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 boom, 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 boom. Give me all of the noise right here. Barbarian. That is barbaric. That's a long swim. Thirteen miles. That's insane. Also, if he's emotional in the water like that, you have to find a whole new mindset and emotional state to get out of that. Because once you get emotional in the water, it's like your whole body just, like, you have to calm your body, too. Because it will take over and you'll, you can panic, you can do whatever. So, that's insane. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah. And that, that is crazy. Is a barbarian. Yeah. I'm... Shocked. 13-mile swim is insane. Yeah, and he's getting ready to do it again. He wants to do this every year, and I said, yeah, maybe we'll do a barbarian's theme for that, huh? If I have a life vest. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Spooner, right next to me. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with thank us. Thank you for having me. It was such a blast, and you did awesome. Thank you again for being here. And for all of you that listen, if you got anything out of this, which you did, please like, comment, share, subscribe to the channel, and stay tuned for more. We're going to have more incredible stories from people just like Megan and just like our friend Luke here that we just talked about that are doing incredible things out there. And as always, stay savage and be unruly in your pursuits for anything and everything that is you. <laughs>